Security threats are everywhere. But with Xfinity XFi, you're notified of threats to your in-home Wi-Fi network, so all your connected devices are protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with Xfinity XFi. Plus, you'll get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway. That's a $72 value per year. No other provider offers this. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome back to the Atheist Experience. I'm your host, Russell Glasser, and with me today is the inimitable Don Baker. Hey, good to be here. I hope that means what I think. Today is Sunday, September 15th. We're a live call-in public access show uh, based in Austin, Texas, dedicated to promoting positive atheism and the separation of church and state. We're available through live streaming video at ustream.tv. The official Atheist Experience website is www.atheist-experience.com. You can also provide feedback by commenting on the official show blog at freethoughtblogs.com slash AXP, or you can email us at tv at atheist-community.org. If you enjoyed today's show, then please check out our related podcast, The Nonprofits, which is airing on the first and third Wednesday of the month, and the award-winning Godless Bitches. You can find links at the, at the Atheist Experience website. I don't know what Godless Bitches' schedule is right now, but uh, the next episode of The Nonprofits will be live in three days uh, on Wednesday, September 18th. Uh, as always, the cast and crew of the Atheist Experience will be going to dinner after the show at Threadgills uh, at 301 West Riverside Drive. We'll be arriving at around 6 p.m. Now, uh, as I was just mentioning, the Austin Chronicle has just finished their yearly awards for the Best of Austin. Now, longtime viewers will, of course, know that the Atheist Experience has been the best a public access uh, TV show in Austin, according to the Austin Chronicles staff and viewers, for the last three years running. And yet, somehow, suspiciously, it didn't look to me like there was a best public access TV show category at all in this year's rankings. So we didn't place again, and we'd be mad, but 
it turns out that Godless Bitches is now the best podcast in Austin. That's right, bitches. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations to, to the, the gang. Uh, yeah, congratulations, uh, Tracy, Jen, Beth, the founder, and uh, occasionally Linnea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you totally deserve it. Um, Bat Cruise is still coming. Two weeks from now, Saturday, September 28th, uh, from the actual cruise itself is 6 to 8 p.m. Prior to that, there's going to be an open house at the ACA Library, which you can get in from noon on, and then the uh, great P.Z. Myers will be giving a lecture on bat evolution at 3 p.m. Uh, and that's it. Okay. Hello, Don. Hey, good to, good to see you. I presume that Christianity has failed again. Failed again. Well, this time it's God, and so you can sweep this under the rug of Judaism, too. Okay. Um, and In this case, a failure to exist, I would think. Well, yeah, I mean, it should it would be a short topic, I guess, if I did That's that true. one. But, uh, but yeah, that, that would certainly count. So today, uh, today is my 18th failure show. <laughs> so much failure, so little, so few guys. You would think you would have a good show once in a while, <laughs> right? Uh, today I'm going to talk about God's mistakes, and the only tangible evidence we have of God is uh, from the Bible itself. And um, you can call that evidence or not. I don't think of it very much as evidence. And the, the Bible paints a picture of Yahweh as kind of rather clumsy, dumb, temperamental, sort of storm god kind of god. Um, nothing like the alleged omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent god that people think they follow. And if the god is, of the Bible is such a screw-up, why worship him? Maybe it's because people want to suck up to power, or maybe because they haven't looked at the Bible. People haven't looked at the Bible very critically. I don't know. But regardless, God's mistakes are another failure of Christianity. It's not really a God there. So today I want to talk about the Garden of Eden, Satan, the Tower of Babel, the Flood, and various other punishments, covenants with Adam and Abraham and David, uh, this Jesus character and where he came from and what, what he's supposed to fix, um, and many others. There's a whole list I have that I'm not going to go into great detail on. In the Garden of Eden, God sets up this garden place with Adam and Eve in there and, and says, don't eat from that tree over there, but, but boy, the God sure could have put the tree outside the garden, and he certainly has a means of, of putting a fence around the garden and these sorts of things. So, uh, and, and guess what? This, this accident actually happened. Uh, the, the Adam and Eve ate from the uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil, and, uh, then, uh, um, but who's at fault? Well, in the in the story, it's Adam and Eve at fault, or this, or Satan maybe at fault, or the snake. Uh, but but who is really in control was God Himself, and so there's a sort of a blame the victim sort of thing here. And and even later on in the Bible, uh, God admits in Jeremiah 18 that He kind of made a mistake there when He created humans and <laughs> kind of got got it wrong. Oops. Well, what about the Bad Satan Trump character? Who, who, who is that certain? Well, serpent. Well, it's not very clear early in the Bible that, that the, the serpent is Satan, although a lot of folks seem to have make that, make that uh, equivocation. Um, wasn't he at fault? Well, God created him too, and God let him go into the, the, the uh, garden when he could have kept him out, you know, presumably uh, you know, better gardening sort of thing. So... Um, and God even created evil itself, according to uh, Isaiah 45.7. Uh, I'm, 
Um, I form the light and create the darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Can I just interrupt for yeah. a minute here? Because a lot of people do not, fail to understand dramatic irony. Uh, okay, okay. And, and just point out that when Don says that God is failing to do all these things, he is not. He has not developed a belief in the in a God who actually. Right, fails. I'm talking about the God He's character about of the Bible. A character in the Bible. It's the same thing we would do if we were discussing all the cunning plans that Blackadder has ever made. Right, or Voldemort, or something right. like that. Yeah, that's kind of where I put it. It's one of those one of the bad guys in in literature. Right. Right. So in other parts of the Bible, Satan is God's son, and he's called the son of God a number of places. And he's supposed to be a bad guy, but he never lies or kills or in the Bible that I'm aware of. So uh, and 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 he's always sort of blamed for these bad things that happen. Yet God seems to be powerless to to stop him. And God never punishes Satan, although humans deserve eternal torment for 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 being tempted by Satan. So go figure on that one. And later in Job, we figure out why, you know, Satan Satan's, uh, has a special place, and that's because Satan and, and God are gambling buddies. So you can go look up that story. Um, later on in Genesis, we have uh, the flood, and we have the Tower of Babel. And, and you know, the flood is really sort of uh, uh, all all these humans are wicked, and we're going to just kill them all because you know I couldn't I couldn't have done a better. Better made a better thing apparently uh, according to the God and and in Genesis uh, six one through four you kind of find out why uh, they're they're evil and that's because uh, they've interbred with the sons of God and, and the daughters of man have interbred and and so they're they're definitely wicked by because of that so what does that tell you about the son the son of uh, God if uh, if they had to be destroyed and we we don't have to be destroyed so anyway. The Tower of Babel, uh, those, if those humans in Genesis 11, those humans get a little too uppity, maybe they should get smacked down. And uh, really, this is a, a just, store, just so story about why we speak different languages, although it's yet another smackdown from God. And again, who's really in control here? If God is in control, he shouldn't have to do these things. And why, do you, why does he keep blaming uh, the humans on, on these things that are ultimately his fault? And, and the main theme in the early part of the Bible seems to be might makes right. That's kind of the, the character we're, we're getting here. Later on in the Bible, God makes a bunch of promises. So in, in uh, Genesis uh, 22, uh, Abra- there's a covenant with Abraham. God, God promises uh, Abraham a whole bunch of land in exchange for, for being, willingness, being willing to kill his kid. And I, I liken this episode as something like a gang initiation ritual where he says, oh, put a hit on this kid and, and, and you can be my, my special guy, that sort of thing. And uh, in Genesis 22, 17 through 18, uh, that in blessing I will, I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply the seed as the stars of the heaven and in the sand which is on the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the, the gate of his, his enemies and thy seed shall... All the nations of earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. So God has chosen the Abraham's children to be the, the blessed blessed people. But what's happened to the to uh, the Is- Israelis or, or Israelites or the, the Hebrews since then? Uh, a lot of a lot of pretty awful stuff uh, in, in more recent times. So this whole blessing thing didn't work out very well. Well, what about the covenant with David? Well, in Second Samuel. Uh, he likes David quite a, uh, God likes David quite a bit and, 
he says to him, Second uh, Samuel 7, uh, 10 through 16, and I'm alighting part of this to make it shorter. I will appoint thee a place for my people in Israel, and I will plant them, and they will dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness affect, affect them any more as before time. Also the Lord telleth thee that, that he will make thee a, a house, and thine house will be thy kingdom in thy house, and thy kingdom will be established forever before thee, and thy throne shall be established forever. So God promises David that his kingdom will last forever, and it didn't, of course. Uh, it was destroyed 400 years after that and was never rebuilt. So, so that promise didn't help. And this whole, God you know, could, I, I want to get a little meta here, if, okay. if you don't mind. Uh, you know, all these promises about their everlasting favor uh, are being made to the Jews, who have, who are at this point in history, a very, very small and dwindling minority. And mm-hmm. one of the major concerns of of Jews is is that. Um, Judaism is kind of gradually dwindling, uh, not just due to enemies, but due to uh, so, sort of a, a gradual loss of interest. I mean, it used to be very strict that Jews would have to intermarry other Jews. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just marry each other instead of uh, going outside. Uh, you know, that's what Fiddler on the Roof is, sort of grieving at the end that, that the daughter is marrying a goy. <laughs> um, and... You know, pe- people are not that concerned about, like, keeping the bloodline pure, and there are all these sort of weaker strains of Judaism, like the one my sister and I come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Reformed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so even though there's like there was a state of Israel sort of forcibly created, like, 50 or 60 years ago... Um, as, as a whole, as a culture, there, there's a lot of worry among Jews that uh, that their traditions are kind of falling by the wayside little by little. And so I wonder how that fits in with these with these supposed promises. Of course, Christians would just say, "Oh well, Jews lost the mantle of being the chosen people, or something." But or some of them would. Yeah, yeah. And there's this blame game going on that hey, maybe they deserved it, but there's really no caveats in, in the Bible as far as oh, well, you got to do this for me in, in perpetuity. Uh, it's really sort of hey, um, David, I like you. This is this is going to happen to you because I like you, sort of thing. And right. made a, made a forever promise that that wasn't wasn't kept. Mm-hmm. So. You know, yeah, you know, and I know that I know that the the Jews uh, in earlier Judaism were very concerned about some of these broken promises because uh, you know it really does fly in the face of some of the the the, the things they thought about their God, right? If, right? if God is really, if we're really His chosen people, and He made this promise to us, how has this failed? What's up with the Holocaust? Right, right, right. That's that's, that's more modern, and certainly Jews have suffered a lot of persecution, even. You know, last fourteen hundred years or more. Right. Sure. So, um, so on these promises, it reminds me a lot of like a drunk father that, that promises his kid, "Hey, I'm going to take you to Disneyland, and just any day now," and, and never quite keeps them. So, uh, so those are those are two of the main promises he made that that weren't kept. Um, there's this whole Mary and Jesus thing in the New, New Testament. Well. God ends up impregnating a virgin without consent from her owner. Now, remember, women were owned and they were property, and she wasn't yet the property of, of Joseph at that time. So uh, who, I don't know where her father was, but uh, he wasn't, wasn't keeping a good eye out for her. And um, 
so through this child, through Jesus, uh, there's this effectively a, a, a revision of Scripture because he couldn't even get that right. He had to re- come back and revise it and, and ended up leaving a confusing mess where, where what some, some of it, some Christians think is, is okay from the Old Testament, some of it's thrown out. And there's a whole game here of, of, of spin doctoring uh, whatever Old Testament thing you want and saying, oh, that's still, still valid and other things are not valid and you get to pick and choose. And anyway... And then the mess continues with with uh, with Muhammad, with God 3.0, and with Mormonism, God 2.1, and other these other minor variants running around. So there's just there's just a major major confusion going on because he couldn't get the scripture right to begin with. And then he has to kill his own son in keeping with the blood sacrifice law, which presumably he made up and was unable to change himself to atone for his mistakes of making. That, that were made in the Garden of Eden. So, so the whole the whole reason for ex- for Jesus existing was was to fix a mistake, presumably that that God set up, and 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 there had to be this atonement. So it's just all very crazy as far as I'm concerned. So there are many other mistakes in the Bible. I'll just touch on these briefly. There was the inability to tell the firstborn he to for God to be able to tell the firstborn Hebrews and and uh, during during the uh, the Exodus uh, episode, uh, and and when the when God sent the plague into Egypt, uh, he he needed a little reminder of hey don't don't kill these people and kill these other people instead. I mean he couldn't just poke his head in and see yeah hey, there's Jews in here they had to paint their doors right right, right. so that was kind of kind of lame. Um, we we have the in cosmology we have this giant universe that supposedly for the sole purpose of creating mankind isn't that awfully wasteful. We have the intelligent design of humans and other living things, which, uh, uh, if you can look on the web, there's lots of non-intelligent things uh, as far as the design goes, and that's another topic entirely. Uh, there's a mistake of having con artists, demagogues, liars, murderers, and pedophiles as his marketeers uh, for his religion. Maybe he could choose folks a little better. Um, there's the problem of him wanting to, us to know him, by, but, but, but doing such an exceptional job of hiding <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a mistake as far as I'm concerned. So the conclusion, I have a quote from Richard Dawkins here. The God of the Old Testament is arguably, arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving control fleek. A vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser. A mis- misogynistic, homophobic, race, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, philicidal, pestilent, Pestilential, megalomaniacal, megalomaniacal, <laughs> sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. <laughs> That's say that three times fast. Anyway, uh, and and he certainly made a lot of mistakes in the Bible, and and chalked that up as another failure of Christianity and Judaism. And all okay, that. so okay. thanks, Don. Sure, uh, we got a returning caller from last week, John in Chicago. John, uh, first of all, welcome back. Hey, Russell, how's it going? And second, uh, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm going to limit you to ten minutes this week. If you, uh, hope you don't mind too much. <laughs> sure, no problem. How's it going, man? Fine. What's Good. up? Yeah, interesting topic. Um, mistakes. <clears throat> I would say that there are a lot of things that we could look at as mistakes. It just depends on how we choose to look at it in the proper context in which we perceive 
uh, these so-called mistakes. And um, I get the impression that you're giving your viewers a very one-sided um, <clears throat> interpretation. Well, this is an atheist show after you all. and them both to look at both sides, talk to Bible scholars and historians, <clears throat> and get the full scope of the discussion, not all just right. one well, side. All right, well, we've got you on. You're currently representing the other side. Uh, is there yeah. anything in particular Don said that uh, you want to take issue with? Yes. Um, going back to the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden, um, to say that God made a mistake and that he had to come and re-undo his mistake with Jesus, I think is false because he created us with free will according to the Bible. And if God came and The phrase free will never appears in the Bible as far as I know. That's, that's, a, that. that's a modern rationalization to be sure. I, I've heard that before, but I, I don't know of it anywhere in the Bible. Well, I'm not sure if the term free will was directly stated, but it says that we're created in the image of God, and God had the choice to create or not. And if the point is we're moral beings in the image of God. Therefore, <clears throat> if God came and intervened... Were they, were they moral before, before they ate of the tree of good and evil? What's no. that? Were they were moral they, beings? Were they moral beings before they ate of the before they knew about good and evil? According to the Bible, yes, God said He looked at everything oh, and it wait. was good. That's not that's not my understanding of it. Is that it, that they were more or less automaton before before they uh, got tricked into eating from this 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 tree? Right? They right, didn't like, they didn't have a moral sense before they ate the fruit. Did they know that eating the fruit was evil? I'm not sure if they had knowledge that it was evil. Okay. But the concept of good and evil certainly existed. Then what's the fruit? The proof that morality existed. No, 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 no. The fruit. What was the fruit? What was oh. it? <laughs> well, there's a, a, a number of different interpretations on what the fruit actually was. Some people say it was a sexual act between Eve and the serpent, which... <laughs> The serpent obviously wasn't a snake. Uh, in ancient Hebrew, the word serpent means whisperer. So people take that out of context as well. So the fruit was but, a metaphor? It wasn't a fruit at all? Just like the serpent is a metaphor, uh, I'm sure it wasn't a talking snake. Okay. So you like, don't really... We are too. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't you really know. think the Bible means what it says? You're, I, I guess you, that would make you not a fundamentalist Christian. No, I believe what it says, okay. but I believe a lot of it is metaphoric. And if you approach the Bible with a very negative and immature perception, then you how, how do I know what's how do I know what's metaphor? Yeah, how do I know that Jesus wasn't an aardvark? I mean, because there's actually historical records of Jesus. Well, no, there's the Bible, but that's it. No, there's other historical records. Not contemporary, no. Uh, you can check with historians on that. Yeah, we have. We have. There's not. <laughs> uh, I believe that's absolutely wrong. There was historical right, well, you can believe that, that Jesus actually existed. No, there's time. not. Not outside the we Bible. Say that, but you're <laughs> wrong. Okay. I mean, we can keep doing this all day. Yeah, but, you can look it up themselves. We looked it up. We welcome you to. A historian that will say that Jesus, there's no historical record of Jesus. Pretty there, much, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's there's record I, I, of there's stories of Jesus. Bible. There's record of Christianity, 
But there's, right. you know, there, there's... <laughs> There's records of Jesus himself and the evidence for Christianity. Not contemporary with him. The first book of the Bible, the first we hear of Jesus, was written like 30 years after his death. And then at after the, the Bible, the there, there, wasn't any, uh, there weren't any writings of him until like 100 years later. Well, it's historical record. Just like no, we have historical no. records. <laughs> they're really not it's there. stories. It's stories, and, okay. and there's no contemporary What ones. record are you talking about? Can you give an example of that record? Well, like I said, we can go back and forth and debate this, but okay. you can check So you story. don't have that particular... I, I would recommend that the next time you call, you have a specific source you could cite. Sure, I could, I could look. Okay. I could look you want to, so we can table that for now. Else? Yeah, we can table that for now then. But back to the main topic. If we are created with free will, if God came and intervened in every single little thing, then we wouldn't be as special of a creation. That's the point. Can I do anything that, that nature doesn't allow? Can I, can I live forever? Can I kill God? Can I, uh, can I fly? Can I, uh, you know... What's that have to do with morality? I, I don't... I, I'm, I'm debating the, whether this free will thing exists at all. It seems like there's this, this, you know, this thing called nature out there that that limits me but but i i don't i can't point to anything that god has given me above and beyond that do you have the freedom to make choices my dog can make choices right, can, that's he, free you know, will. yeah <laughs> okay god gave dogs free will we, we have free will within our physical universe we can't yeah. break those physical laws, but we okay. have freedom of thought. Well, I, 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 I don't think that this is much of a gift, to be honest. I don't, I don't think there's any real gift there beyond well, things I, that I already I have. I don't know. I'm not going to agree with you. I like the notion of having free will, whether I actually have it or not. Well, th- there's a whole <laughs> philosophical you know, rabbit hole. That yeah, we can go down I don't there, think but... we should get into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did God know that Adam and Eve were going to eat the fruit? Yeah, I mean, I did they have free will? I think he did, yes. He did. So, I mean, in some sense, he made the choice to put the fruit there, knowing in advance that they were going to choose to uh, uh, to eat the fruit, right? Yes, but he didn't make them eat it. That was the okay, choice. But if he didn't want to eat it, then he, then he knew in advance that was going to happen. He could have not put it in there, right? Well, that would assume the intentions of God. That's assuming that he can make a universe and a moral universe without good and evil together. What is good without evil? What's a crooked So he's got some limitations is what you're saying. He, he's got some troubles. Say what? He, he's got some limitations. He couldn't, he couldn't possibly make a universe where, where, they, where they didn't eat from this tree. That's very possible. Okay. Well, then why are you worshiping this guy? He seems like a kind of a screw-up to me. I mean, that is one response to the argument from evil. God could just not have enough power to prevent it. Well, what is evil according to your worldview? How do you... What is your foundation for what evil Well, I mean, we're talking within the context of the biblical story now, right? Right. Just just like when when Don was talking about that. I mean, God definitely refers to some things as evil in the Bible. So I think we can say that within the Christian framework, there is definitely evil stuff, and it definitely happens. Right. Yeah? I agree. But So God doesn't have the power to prevent it, is what you're saying. 
did he have the power to prevent evil altogether? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a quote in the Bible that he says he created evil. That's true. Right. Well, that's the thing. If there was no evil, then our free will, we would basically be God's puppets. And he didn't want that. He wanted us to recognize evil and I choose good over evil to find our way to him. Okay, when my, getting back to the dog, when, when my dog chooses between her toy and eating, which of those is evil? Why would either one of them be evil? Right. So you can have free will without having to, to have without having anything to do with evil, right? Right, but evil exists. That doesn't negate evil just because <laughs> your dog chooses not to do evil things. Well, if okay. if the universe had no evil in it, my dog could still make this choice and have free will, right? But we're talking about humans. We believe that the uh, okay. earth and the universe was created for humans. Our, we are human beings, right. not dogs or cats. Not to say that they're not quote-unquote moral or whatever, but this is about us. I think Don is trying to say that you could still give somebody free will without uh, planting things like the tree of knowledge, which are just basically, you know, a, a sucker's trick to get right, into, into doing something that they didn't really evil? understand the implications of at the time, maybe. But what is good without evil? How could we recognize what is good without knowing what evil is? I don't know. Who cares if we recognize it or not? <laughs> well, that's the whole point you know, there's, the there's, there's, there's Everybody has the potential to do harm. And, and that might be a, a synonym, an atheist version of evil. Um, and we don't have we don't have to do harm. We can we can uh, all, all live together and not not harm each other. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, there's nothing saying that you're evil if you are an atheist or anything. Right. But Some people think we are. Has no foundation for what good or evil is if you believe that we're just products of mindless evolution. Oh, I disagree. Yeah, I don't agree. I mean, people don't like to get hurt. Um, and I think that uh, we have we've the got a social to... consensus that that people who go around deliberately hurting other people for no reason is something we don't like. Okay, here's, here's a question. Is okay. it really wrong to kick an innocent baby? Is that really wrong to you or is that just subjective? I, to I, me, it's harm. Yes. It's harm. It's harm. So there's something really wrong with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because because it harms the baby. Right and wrong. Where's your foundation? Harm. Yeah, I mean I, I'm coming at things from a human perspective where I care about not getting hurt and I care about other people not getting hurt. And we have empathy. Right. For, for other people. But uh, right. I said you could have 10 minutes, so I'm going to give you the last word and let you go. Do you want to wrap up with something? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. I, I'd just like to say, um, as an ex-atheist, <clears throat> okay. um, I had to, in order for me to believe, I had to look at things in a different context, in a different perspective. All right. I couldn't hold on to those uh, negative things. And there are other answers out there to those questions. Um, they might not be what you like to hear, but, I mean, they're there. So, um, okay. Look at it if you choose, but uh, enjoy your Sunday, man. It's good talking to you again. You too. Thanks for calling Thank you, back, John. John. Bye. Yeah.
I guess everybody was an ex-atheist because you're all, we're all born atheists, right? <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> uh, Some of us were not Another ex. Chicago call. This one is from Louie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's you. Uh, hello. I am an atheist, but I wasn't right. born that way. Just Party on, on note. Okay. I've got a philosophy of religion class, and the teacher put up a couple videos for us to watch. One was Carl Sagan explaining the Drake equation, and the other one was somebody else with a video called The Privileged Planet. And oh. it's just about the statistics of how likely it is for there to be life. Wait, was your, was your professor pushing creationism on you? Because the privileged no. planet, okay. No, the, the question that came after both of those videos was, so what? Okay. And this, the, the first video with Carl Sagan came out with a probability of like maybe 10 planets with life at some point in the existence of our galaxy. Uh, and then the other one uh, was something something else that had like 20 more variables in the Drake equation. Right. And I, I don't understand how those variables can be in one equation and not in the other. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to use the same equation to figure out that? Well, out? the Drake equation is, is uh, kind of a, a scientific guess, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's, right. A, it's a it's a it's a a sequence of probabilities that you multiply together to 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 to, to maybe arrive at what what's the likelihood of life or intelligent life in the galaxy or universe or whatever, and 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 all you know the the term the, the existence of those terms and the the numbers used for those terms are all guesses, right? They're all just, you know, what we think might be, uh, you know, given certain assumptions, what's likely to happen. And and um, they may or may not be right, you know. It's all sort of a matter for debate. But but I, that's probably the best thing we have as far as figuring out whether there's, you know, extraterrestrial life in the galaxy or the universe is is, is this sort of educated guess. Yeah, they're, they're educated guesses, sure. But, I mean, I'm reminded, I, I read a book by Nate Silver called The Signal and the Noise, where he was talking about the ability to figure stuff out based on uh, uh, probability calculations. Mm -hmm. um, and what he said is if you're dealing with a really unfamiliar uh, uh, set of unknowns, uh, you know your your prediction can only be as good as your uh, you know as your inputs. And when we're dealing with other life in the universe, we have exactly one example of life uh, evolving in the in the known universe, and that's On a planet, us. Right. Um, we don't really have any way of figuring out how likely it is to happen elsewhere. And, uh, you know, we can come up with educated guesses, but it's a lot like, why didn't we predict 9-11 happening, for instance? It's because well, that sort of thing never happened before. And so there's really no way of making an estimate of its probability. Well, the, the second video's equation uh, yeah. on the privileged planet, it, it had, like, the first same three variables, mm -hmm. and they had a bunch of others, like uh, us, we would have to have our specific kind of sun, and it has the planet has to form so that we have tectonic plates and have an iron core to create an electromagnetic field. Um, I feel like all of those things would happen normally, given the composition and the, the manner 
of the development of the galaxy. I feel like our solar system would would form very much the same as any other solar system, you know, simply because it's the same galaxy forming. I, I don't think and, there's any and, way to know that. I think we'd have to know enough about uh, planets well, I mean, and other know, solar systems. You know the, the uh-huh. most common elements in the universe, and they're the same as the most common elements found on our, our planet. Sure. And an, and it seems to me that the, that the variables in the second equip I just get a bad feeling when I see them. It's an uneasy, doubting well, feeling. Well, you know, you, 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 it's good to question things. It's good to question the Drake equation and, and the assumptions that went into it and, and see, you know, see uh, how sensitive the answer is to the assumptions. And, and in this other equation, whatever, whatever they added on, you know, be be skeptical and ask why is that there? Why is that important? And and maybe it isn't. You know, if we're just talking about intelligence at the end of the day, we're interested in how how intelligent life comes about. Well, you know, plate tectonics may or may not be that important to that, right? Um, right. So we do we don't know that life necessarily has to be made of carbon. There could be like you know silicon life forms, or there could be clouds of intelligent gas in in a gas planet somewhere. For all we know. We haven't seen any, uh, and we don't know how likely that is or how possible it is, but that's one of the big things we just don't know. Yep. All right. Well, that, that's awesome. Uh, I guess I don't really have anything else to talk okay. about. Uh, okay. Thanks for, your, thanks for your time. All right. All Take right. care, man. Thanks, Bye. man. Uh, I want to go to Derek in uh, Philadelphia. Hello. Hey. Hi, Derek. Hey, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. It's like such a relief to actually talk to you guys. Um, you understand it's a very lonely position to take as an atheist. Um, yeah, I bet. And especially a black atheist. Oh, um, yeah? You know, being a black atheist, uh, it's it's a very confusing position because you, you miss um, your kind and you're wondering how how certain fundamental things about Christianity you aren't questioning. Mm-hmm. And it's like you, you realize that nobody reads this book. Nobody reads it at all. They can't, or they just take, you know, if they're given a the test, it's probably just on a certain book or something or a passage. But nobody is really taking it seriously. H- having some beer that. or wine helps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not thinking about it and just accepting like certain phrases like Jesus is my Lord and this and that. Right. It's very easy to gloss over yes. details. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, even when I was little, I think I met about dinosaurs. I accepted dinosaurs before, our, you know, religion was actually pushed on me. And uh, one of my first questions was, you know, where dinosaurs at in the Bible? And, mm-hmm. You know, you get nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I know uh, lots of Christians turned atheists deal with that kind of childhood skepticism without a lot of support. Uh, why do you uh, do you have any speculation on why it is that it's particularly tough to be a black atheist? Oh yeah, because we have been so fucked up. Um, did, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, okay. um, it's all right. The <laughs> censors no, don't um, really watch us that carefully. But <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, but I'm but how so? How, how has it been messed up? Yeah. Oh, the, the brainwashing. The um, hmm. who's doing the brainwashing? Really take, well, from my experience, what you need to really take from the black uh, 
the African American in America is a textbook example of how you can really screw people up. Mm -hmm. um, the history, everything that's been done, the brainwashing that still continues, it's a textbook example of how you can check everything up about a people. I mean, we're lost. Are if we talking about, like, going back to slavery uh, and yeah. and some kind of permanent damage was done at that point, or what? Yes, that is very permanent, because um, uh, just take this for example. A, a lot of European-Americans can trace their history back to Europe, mm -hmm. and they can go back so far and, and really cling to their pride and cling to something. Um, what I already said about slavery was it totally wiped our history out. We don't hmm. know what we were for real, for real. Um, our history, because nobody bothered to really keep particular records. It's like keeping records on cattle. Right. I'm sure a lot of times slaves were illiterate, and I mean, in most cases, yeah. and uh, the the slave owners just didn't care that much. Exactly. I mean, who cared about tracing you back to Africa when you're here in America working for me as like a plow? Mm -hmm. So I, I care not about you. Why would I even trace you back? Who kept the records? Nobody. So you come to America and you start from zero, basically. And but, the, but this was a, this was a long time ago, and, it and is, one of, you know one is. of the things that concerns me about what you're saying is it is it. Don't get me wrong. You know, I I I think that you know the blacks blacks uh, in the United States uh, have suffered a lot and have been given the short end of the stick a lot. But I, but I'm kind of having a dialogue with you here. You know, you almost sound like okay. There's like this conspiracy, or there's these people out to get 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 the uh, the blacks and to brainwash no. them. Who who's behind it? I mean, oh, no, no, no. I, I actually don't think now that today anybody is out to get black people in particular. Mm -hmm. um, what has happened is the hatred that is residual between blacks and whites. It's really not based on anything except for just behavior that has rippled from the past. But okay. it shouldn't be there anymore. And if we could all so clear still, our minds and like really cling to the fact that hey, we're just both human, and these differences that we're saying between each other, that was from an argument long, long time ago, which we've tried to repair through our history over and over and over again. So, so it sounds like there and needs to be a reset button today. You know where, right. where, where, when the when the blacks are brought over, when the slaves are brought over, uh, you know they, they sort of lost their history. Maybe maybe it'd be a good thing today to lose the history, right, and start fresh. Yeah, I would, I would really like that. Derek, I would really um, love to press the reset button. It's um, yeah, it's just hard to do. You know, one of the issues that I was saying is that um, it, it, one of the differences that I've noticed between blacks and whites is the, the, the ability to pass on assets to generations. Um, well, um, I, I mean, black, black people that, have that ability, that, too. It's just that they, they're starting from sort of a, a cultural disadvantage as far as having, having come from a situation recently where there was a reset button uh, pressed so that that like has maybe ongoing effects about uh, who tends to have uh, like who tends to start out with more assets because yeah uh, well people don't like to give up their privilege and we see right. that with Christianity today they have a lot of privileges like uh, you know prayer in school or, or or invocations at various events and things and they don't want to give that stuff up 
right? It's, it's, mm. a, it's a big battle when, when there's, you know, a church-state separation fight. So I see that there. I see that maybe that's human nature to, to want to keep right. the privileges you have. I want to ask you something specific, though, Derek. Would you say that there's anything that uh, the, the worldwide atheist community could be doing better to, uh, to meet and address the needs of black atheists? I mean, can, have you got anything constructive that, uh, that you could help out with? Well, how about the fact that uh, Christianity was not our religion before we came over here? Um, what? what? This, this, what? This, but, but Christianity would you, was, would you oh, want was to go not back a black religion. Would you want to go back to what, whatever that no. was? Okay. No, it, it's, a good, it's a good way to just reset. I mean, if you don't accept, you know, mm-hmm. whatever tribal religion it was we had over there, if it was a tribal religion, I really don't know. And that's one of the problems is that I really wouldn't even know what religion we had over there. But besides that even the effect, it, it was just the fact that your slave masters gave you this religion. Mm-hmm. This, this Christianity was not something, you, you know, you, you, you know, fumbled on yourself. This Well, the way I heard it is that, you know, the, the blacks, when they were released from slavery, uh, well, they had gotten some indoctrination in Christianity as slaves. But when they got released from slavery, they wanted to be like their... The, like the big guys, right? They wanted to have that religion and, and these sorts of things. That's that's how it was explained to me. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, but it's it's this weird thing where it's almost like a Stockholm syndrome. You wanna you wanna be like your captors or or, or empathize with your captors somehow. <laughs> I, I can I can totally see that happening. I mean, especially if you want to uh, you know basically try to be accepted as a person and you see that they take this seriously then you may want to take it seriously too right. so then, yeah to finally fit in in america in a sense um, yeah i, I, I mean, mean but it it sounds like part of the problem is maybe that there's not a wide enough support group uh, because because black people and atheists are both minorities and so when you combine those two uh it's, it's doubly especially hard, hard uh, to come out and find your group. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not not just that, but there's so many uh, black people that are theists or claim yeah, to be theists right. that it's like standing against the group. You're like, really the odd man out. Yeah. In, in so many so many areas, nobody wants to really accept that label, and it's it's such a hard thing. I I came to realize that because I realized. Only in the last few months, I'm listening to you guys shout it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I Derek, I, I'd, I'd really, I'd, I'd really, I can't keep you on for much longer, but I'd really like to help you hook up with other black atheists. So I'm going to recommend you check out a couple of uh, sites. I want to plug the Black Free Thinkers, who, uh, mm-hmm. who originated as the Black Free Thinkers of Atlanta, but have spread around. So uh, look that up on the web and see if you can it's find It's a fairly new uh, national nearby. group. Right? Yeah, they're, they're and, national now. Um, uh, one, other, one other thing I wanted to ask you guys, uh, so far with atheism, the way that we kind of uh, go about explaining ourselves, uh, I, I think a more realistic approach to coming at a lot of people that are theists would be actually the job of the scientists, mm-hmm. in the sense that um, people don't respect other people's jobs so far as engineers, people that can get rockets in the space. They don't disrespect that. But when the theories come down to it and the hard work that these scientists put in to find out this information and this data and... and yeah, science is hard work. not respected at all? I don't get that. I, I just don't understand how 
you know, somebody think, just off the street could say, I don't believe that. And it's like, well, I think you see more of that in the United right States it. than in other countries. Um, there seems to be an anti-intellectualism that, that's pervading the United States that I think is very disconcerting. And I think that's part of it, um, that, that the scientists don't know or the scientists just have an opinion or whatever. Yeah, and so and there it, is a lack of respect. It I agree. takes a lot of different approaches. Like you would like to think that you can just tell people, here's the science, now educate yourself, you dumbass. But they tell you in the cell phone and a computer, and it's funny because it's like, okay, that's the same thing. Like, right. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying people don't always respond well to that because they're not all didn't always become Christians for intellectual reasons, and they're not True. necessarily going to be talked out of it True. for intellectual reasons. And that's why I personally feel that that a social movement that meets the needs of of various different members of the community is important. Right. And and that uh, includes like specific right. outreach to black atheists. Yeah, so if you're going to jump out of Christianity, you have to have something to jump into, right? That right. sort of thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'd like you to it. check out uh, the Black Free Thinkers, and I'd also like you to look up my friend Ian Cromwell, who runs a blog called the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, right, well, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time. I don't uh, let you know. I want to let another call get in. So, all right. Thank you, guys. Nice I talking to you, Derek. That. Nice talking to you guys. I have to call in again. Take care. Okay. Bye. Who else we got? Uh, oh, I lost it. Okay, Mitch in Oakland, California. Hey, Mitch. Hey, how's it going, fellas? Good. good. How are you? I'm good, man. I just moved out here from Atlanta last year. Moved out to Oakland, yeah. Yeah. All right, what you got yeah. for us today? Well, um, I want to talk to you about these, uh, you know, Christian debate tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I'm a non-believer, And, um, you know, I notice every time I hear a debate on any kind of show where someone's trying to prove God or disprove God, it always goes around in circles and it, 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 the, the argument never, ever gets off the ground, and it's really mm-hmm. annoying. So what I do when I debate somebody about it, I just cut straight to the chase and say, no, prove Bible God, because that's usually the one they're trying to, they're trying right. to prove. Well, that's, and that's that, important, right, to, to say which God you're talking about, right? If, right. You're, if you're not doing and, that, you're wasting your time probably. Right, but usually, like, they'll say a creator or some kind of higher power or something like that. And you know they're talking about Bible God, but they, sure. you know, they want to call they it something. Pare it down to the vague. minimal thing that they can try to prove, right? Right. Okay. So when you when you get when you cut through all that crap and just say Bible God, then see because they try to shift the burden of proof on you by saying prove there's no God, mm-hmm. and then I say look prove Bible God, and then that puts the burden right back on them. Yeah. Right. Does that, in in your opinion, does that usually lead to fruitful conversations, or do some of them just say, you know, get pissed off and tell you to get out of there? It it doesn't get fruitful. It just it makes my route to victory that much quicker and easier. (laughs) Well, I mean, well, you're doing two things right. You're you're defining terms, which which is always a good thing, right? What what are we talking about here when we mean God, right? That's a good Mm -hmm. thing to to pin down. That is a very good start. And then you you have pretty clear in your mind who has the burden of proof, right? If you're if you're saying I I don't believe, then it's the believer who has the burden of proof to to show you. Mm -hmm. And 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 I think those are both very good things and. 
And you can make a case that, that the Bible God doesn't exist or doesn't make sense or is, is goofy, and you can certainly do that, but uh, it's not your job to do that. So, right, and Steve, they try to do that. They try to use that same old tire tactic, putting the burden mm-hmm. of proof back on the non-believer. And then when you cut through, when you put, say, Bible God, you eliminate that. And then I can start using their doctrine against them because it's so ridiculous. And I can start pointing out all the usual atrocities with Old Testament. Yeah, and then you get into the, there's no true Christian, the no true Christian fallacy. Oh, they're not true Christians who did that. Right. Well, and and (laughs) in in line with old law, new law controversy where they tried to, I say, well, hey, if homosexuality is so bad, how come Jesus never said anything about it? You know, they try to say, well, what he said, uh, a man will cling to his his wife and blah, 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 blah. You have to look real hard to find that one. That's not talking about homosexuality. That's like me saying, I love steak. Oh, Mitch just said he hates chicken. Along the lines of what Don was saying, another thing that I like about what you're doing is that, you know, whether it's getting down to those specifics or not, it's always to your advantage to go on the offensive when you're arguing with somebody and not, and, and I, I mean, you're all generally in a better position than just trying to answer all the things that they have. So any, any time that you can take the upper hand and introduce your own ideas into an argument, right? Uh, it's uh, that's likely to be a win for you because it's not something that they're necessarily prepared for, or they would have brought it up. Right. And there's another yeah, exactly. another point. Uh, they like to change the subject. It's like when they get cornered, mm-hmm. they say, "Oh, but what about this over there?" And and uh, want to change the subject on you. And that's that's always. Annoying. Yeah, exactly. And you can get to run around that it. way, right? I stick to this. I don't change. I don't let them go off into something else because it's just another tactic. But I stick to the the whole proving your argument, and it's usually them that are that are, that are trying to prove it. I don't have anything to prove. Yeah. And but but you know, once we establish that it's Bible God, that opens the door up to yeah. a full assault. I mean, I got mm-hmm. nuclear missiles, I got warheads, <laughs> I got I got mag okay. tins, I got grenades, and they just have like uh, they're holding up a, a, a piece of plastic to try to, <laughs> to right. protect themselves. Yeah, but then they and, uh, then they retreat to well, you just gotta have faith, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> okay. when all else fails, faith, or they'll just tell me I'm going to hell, and I just laugh. I say, hey, you're going to Oz. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, Mitch, we're running out of time, right. so uh, thanks for calling. Click those ruby All slippers. Right. So let's take care. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, some some very good points there. Okay. Uh, who? Um, Allison in Austin. Yes. Hi. How are you? I have <clears throat> quite a dilemma. Mm-hmm. I visit people on death row. Uh-huh. And being a compassionate atheist, I need to be able to give them words of solace and hope. And a lot of them are religious. And I can't really say to them, I'm praying for you. or Right. Because I, it would, wouldn't be true, but I just don't know how to deal with the religious ones. Well, that's a tough situation, you know. Uh, yeah, because it's not like, I mean... When you're dealing with somebody on death row, things have already gone terribly wrong for them at that point, and it's kind of hard to to make a reversal there. Um, I thought, wait, I thought of a rather cynical thing that you can say. It was, yeah. smile, there is no hell. 
Well, sorry. <laughs> well, I can say that. I can tell them I don't believe in hell, but right. my goodness, it's it's. I mean, you know what? I, what I think you can do in that situation is get them to talk about their beliefs and and uh, and you know you can be be frank about what them. you believe in and and it's like okay, well, what's what's going to happen from here and. Um, you know, I'm rooting for you. I hope I hope the governor calls or whatever whatever you you might yeah. want to say there. But I I don't think it's your job necessarily to cure them of religion like right before they go to their execution. No, I, no. I mean, it's I I even under the best of circumstances, if somebody tells you you know I totally believe in God and here's why and it gives me comfort and blah blah blah, most of the time you're not going to change their minds. <laughs> No, no, no. I don't. Uh, I don't think that's the purpose. I think the purpose right. is to give them some some human companionship and, and yeah. somebody who who might care about them a, a bit. And and I think that that in itself is very very valuable. And don't, it is. Don't and I feel like if I were in that situation, which I certainly don't plan to be, um, one of the things that I w- that I as an atheist would find valuable is just getting someone who would listen to me. Just getting getting someone who would, uh, you know, to whom I could tell my story and and have them, you know, be right there with me when they say, oh, that's terrible and that's really sad for you and I feel mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just that kind of empathy, empathy. is yeah. probably comforting. Yeah. That's a very valuable thing and don't discount that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, not necessarily, they're not necessarily asking you to, fix their problems that they've already created, but I, no, I think that No, it's just empathy. that I get religious messages uh-huh. from some of them in the, in the mail. Yeah. And uh, it, it may not even re- revolve around the Bible or God or Jesus I, or anything like that, but everlasting life is a great part of it. I mean, will you yeah, live on nice after promise. death or not? Yeah, Are they nice yeah. religious messages? Are they at least saying, you know, you're a very oh, yeah. nice person and yeah, God will I'm, smile on I you? Mean, I mean, God bless you, and I thank right. you for being in my life and all that, you know. And well, just just but, take it as, as the sentiment, right? They, they're trying, I agree, yeah. They're trying to be positive, and, and just take it as that, and don't, don't get too caught up in the religious message. Mm-hmm. That would be my advice. I think what okay. you're doing is great, by the way. Oh. Yeah, thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Um, I guess, uh, all right, thanks for calling. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, it looks like we're probably out of time. Uh, yeah, I got, I got like 40 more seconds, so oh, no, no more quickies. No more but there's quickies. two people on the line, uh, you know, we'll talk to them after the show. Okay. Uh, and thank you again for being on with me, Don. Remember oh, that we're, uh, we're going to El Arroyo at 6, and uh, the Bat Cruise is in two weeks, nonprofits in three days, all kinds of stuff to look yeah, forward to stuff. and be happy about. So, and Congratulations again to the Godless Bitches. Yeah. How, how awesome. Good job, ladies. <laughs> Bye. Hey, you. Are you ready? Grab your pack, grab your tent, grab your gear. Jump in. We're going on an adventure. In Arizona, there's so much to see, so much to experience. 
At GCU, adventure is never too far away. Offering over 200 academic programs with a Christian worldview and nestled in the heart of Phoenix, you can earn your degree in fewer than four years and explore everything Arizona has to offer. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash azroadtrip.